I talked a bit about calming practice in the introduction uh, and, and how we do that. Um, that, that the agitated, restless mind is where we begin. And um, it's the norm. It's, it's normal, especially in our society. Perhaps not in every society, but in our society, uh, the restless mind is, is very normal. Uh, we, don't, we don't teach children how to pay attention, really. Uh, we, we show them things they are supposed to pay attention to, uh, and we want them to pay attention, but we don't teach the skill of attending. Uh, and so in some cultures, uh, it is taught in uh, maybe directly or indirectly. And I think that uh, the, the restless mind that may be a kind of natural to, to us in our society um, is made worse by all our attention to social media. I find that when I'm on the computer, my mind is continually um, kind of being pulled. Like I feel the pull uh, to go, you know, something pops up, you know, in the background of my screen. You have a Facebook message or, or an email message. And, and you know, I'm trying to compose something, to write, uh, to th- reflect on something, and 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 there's there's always this pull, and and I when we're out in the world and we're hearing little you know ding or <laughs> or a little vibration, it's we're we're being this is a a generation of and. And it's been for about a decade that that our attention is really being um, fragmented. So um, I'm not sure what that will mean for us, but I do feel that this practice is very, very helpful in in um, learning to be present for uh, in in a. Uh, Extended way, in a in a continual way, um, to, with our experience, moment to moment, and not be, you know, just fragmented and pulled in every direction, and always thinking about what are the next five things that I have to do. <clears throat> and. Not just you know our generation, but um, but this the human condition is that we we become disconnected from our inner presence. We become disconnected from a sense of uh, of, of simply being present within ourselves um, with a, with with a quality of of attention and and openness and acceptance um, and responding 
we're, we become so disconnected and driven from outside ourselves. And we're, we feel driven to fulfill people's expectations of us. We feel it, it becomes very internalized and, and, and we, we project these judgments on ourselves. You know, it's kind of like we divide our mind in, in half and we kind of, I have this image of, you know, I'm looking at myself through what I have imagined other people's eyes are that I've internalized. So that's, that's a process of dividing the mind. And so when we meditate, we're coming home to ourselves. We're healing that division. We're becoming whole again and learning to abide within ourselves. Um, and the breath is our doorway. The breath is how we enter into ourselves, come back home into the body, into the breath. So, so this disconnection from our inner presence, from our heart, from our inner awareness. Um, and it's, it's not something uh, that's unnatural that we're trying to develop. It's something that we're trying to reconnect with. Um, So, so this, the drivenness, the drivenness that comes from thinking that our happiness is somehow out there, will be found out there, uh, in stuff, in getting things, or in, in being, getting recognition for our, um, our achievements, or, uh, or, or in um, getting praise for our beauty or our intelligence or whatever it is that we imagine is going to win us the, um, <coughs> the approval and the happiness uh, and the sense of uh, a fulfillment that we want. You know, we we tend to see it as outside ourselves. And, um, and so, there's, so there's a lot of drivenness. Drivenness by wanting to get stuff, drivenness by wanting to change how things are, uh, wanting to change, you know, being angry or judgmental about how things are, about how somebody is, about how a situation is. Um, uh, being envious, thinking, you know, that person has it all, that person has it made, you know, I want that life, I should have that. Um, So all of these uh, afflictive emotions, they're they're called in in Buddhist uh, teachings, all of these drive us and, and so we're, we're kind of on this wheel. Um, and uh, and so, so when, we, when we stop, when we just stop and we sit, 
all the agitation and the drivenness doesn't stop. It's there. And we can feel the energy of it. So we, so we, we learn to be calm. We learn to let go. We learn that, okay, this is a thought that I need to get up and make a cup of tea right now because, you know, a, a desire has, you know, come up in my mind, a thought, oh, wouldn't a cup of tea be nice right now? But I've decided to sit, and my sitting time's not over. And so then I recognize, okay, I can actually come back to the breath. I don't need to jump up and get that cup of tea. I can let it go. I can come back to the breath. And that calms the mind. Just to, just to that, that simple recognition that I can relinquish that thought. I can relinquish. It might be a desire. and I, I mean, I chose such an innocuous thing, a cup of tea. Uh, it could be anything. It could be um, there's something wrong with my relationship or I don't have a relationship. I don't have um, a certain kind of relationship that I want or, or uh, I hate my job. I've got to do something. Um, come back to the breath. Come back to the breath. And so, so I'm talking about our sitting meditation now. I'm not talking about, just so you know, I'm not talking about being entirely passive in our lives and never, and never addressing things that may be problematic, like, like a, a job that we're not happy in. Uh, or something, you know, a problem in a relationship. But this sense of this drivenness, I've got to do it, or this is terrible, or come back and find that place of, you know, right now, in this breath, it's fine. Right now, in this breath, I'm okay. Right now, in this breath, Nothing needs to be done. So we can learn that relinquishment of the drivenness of I have to do this, I have to please this person, I have to change this or that, and recognize that these are thoughts. These are thoughts that come up, and they have a lot of energy, they have a lot of power. And... I can let it go in this moment. I have a place which is safe, which is quiet, which is my home base. Just the simple presence in the breath and the body. That's, that's such a gift. It's such a gift when we discover that. That, that, you know, it's like coming in from the storm. You're recognizing that in a single breath we can have some calm, we can have some peace, we can have some space. Uh, that we, we can, and, and it's such a gift to recognize that I have this capacity to 
release in the moment these thoughts. So, um, this is this is our foundation practice of uh, samatha or tranquility, and um, and we can also begin to connect with this kind of space, this resting place. It it's not that. I mean, in a way, it just begins to appear in our lives as we cultivate it in practice, as we cultivate this quality of coming home, taking a breath, having a little bit of space around our, our, our agitation, our drivenness. When we get up off the cushion... Gradually, it, it appears in our lives as well that before we make that retort, that angry retort, when somebody says something to us that annoys us or that hurts our feelings, that we have a moment to breathe in, breathe out, and then maybe respond rather than react. Respond from a place that's more peaceful, more kind, um, that's not going to perpetuate the wheel of suffering spinning in our lives. Because when somebody says something to us that may be unskillful, when we respond out of anger, um, it just creates more causes just to see, I'm just thinking of a, something that happened uh, last week. Um, maybe it was even just earlier in the weekend. Um, you know, I was, I was going to a store and I was waiting to, um, to back into a, a space that was opening up. The person was you know, getting, had gotten in their car and they were about to leave. And um, and I was partly extending over the driveway that went into the parking lot to the store, and um, and this this man dr- drove up and and he was actually he parked himself so he was preventing the person behind me from leaving, and he he honked at me and then he said something you know kind of nasty, and. Uh, uh, of course, you know the the aggression is hard. It's hard to, to to be with that kind of aggression, and and you know he's obviously in big big hurry, and and and, and I so I gestured him. He there was lots of room for him to go around me and go into the parking lot. So I I gestured him, and then he parked his car, and I parked my car because the other guy was able to get out, and and uh, and then he came and talked to me, and he was so. Uh, he was so uh, kind of making me, trying to make me feel bad about myself, like he's saying unkind things, and and I, it it affected me. Uh, but I said, you know, I just said we can we can be civil to each other. You know, we we don't need to. It, we don't need to do this. Uh, you know, it it makes it easier for everybody when we're all when we're just civil and uh, 
um, and act like human beings to each other. And uh, and he kept saying things, and, and all through my shopping, I was it was reverberating in my body. I could feel it reverberating in my body. But I was grateful that I did not respond in anger. I was very grateful that I had that capacity that not to not to do or say anything that then would make me feel ashamed of myself, that it would bring remorse um, that I was respectful to him. So I was grateful for my practice uh, in that. And so I felt I had that space, even though, you know, there was, there was a, a sense of being uh, attacked. I felt I had that space. Yeah. Well, we feel what we feel. We don't control. We can't control what our body feels. Our body feels what it feels. I mean... Well, give it a try. See what happens. Because, because let's not go into questions now. I'd like to kind of present, uh, and then and then we'll go into questions, dialogue. But, but I mean, see if you can awaken compassion for this person. You know, I, I mean, I certainly, I certainly recognize that this was a you know probably a pattern that he lived from, and and that. It's, it wasn't a pattern that was conducive to happiness. But it didn't make my feelings go away. I didn't get into a story uh, in my mind about, you know, how, you know, how, what, a, you know what an idiot or, you know, or anything like that. I, I didn't go there. Um, but, but my body felt impacted by it. So... So anyway, we, we take it into our daily lives, and, um, and, it's, uh, and so we, so, so, um, we develop this, what develops in the mind, what develops in our being, I would, actually the mind is, I would say the heart, the, the mind heart. What develops is this quality of inner presence that we're present to ourselves. Um, that we're, we're we don't get lost, we don't get dispersed in the reactivity, we don't get totally caught up in the story about he did this to me, she, you know, she was unfair, uh, and so on. It's it's a story that we can just totally identify with and get so lost in. <clears throat> and sometimes, you know, I I talked about the letting go, letting go of the thought, letting go of the the inner conversation. 
sometimes things don't go away, you know, like like this this feeling that I had of being attacked and and how my body was, you know, vibrating with that for a long time. Um, And so I just, so in our meditation or in our daily lives, we can just be with that. Like we can be with that sense, you know, I've been feeling a lot of grief lately since somebody very close to me died suddenly and unexpectedly. And, and so, so when I sit in my practice, I'm not, you know, I'm not expecting that I'm going to enter into a state of bliss. Um, that grief is there. It doesn't disappear. It's just there. And I can be with it. It, it can be there. It feels, I feel it very much in my heart. And so when we sit, we can open to what's there. We can open to um, those, those emotional states, those, uh, um, the, the energetic qualities that we may experience that are more deeply, uh, somehow deeply felt in the body, whether it's because they're habits um, or because they're coming from conditions and we're feeling them in the body. So, so sometimes we may want to be with the breath and sometimes we may want to just be with what's coming up. But what we discover, and this is um, and the, the vipassana or insight aspect of our practice, which we move into as our capacity to be with experience patiently and, and with a, a steady attention, um, this, this insight that develops is, is that all of these experiences, whether they're difficult experiences like grief or feeling attacked um, or feeling angry, uh, that they all are impermanent. They're all, they're all flowing through us. They're all moving through us. And that if they're moving, if they're changing, can they be who we are? You know, can I be anger if uh, if it comes and goes, can I be envy? Can I be greed? Uh, can I be fear if it comes and goes? We identify so strongly with a lot of these experiences that are really difficult and painful and that we don't want, but we identify with them because when they are there, we really feel them because they're so difficult. And, um, and so, so that base that we have of, of more presence and clarity, uh, clarity, uh, so, and compassion, 
compassion for these, that, that there's suffering in these experiences. So compassion for ourselves, that we, um, we feel these things. And there's a lot that I could say about clarity, but I'm going to just talk for a few more minutes about clarity because clarity develops as, as we, as the mind develops um, more steadiness and stability. It's like when we're, when we first begin the calmness practice, feeling the breath, you know, it can feel like um, we have a little bit of focus on the breath, but it's like being in a crowded cafe. And you're having trying to have a conversation with somebody, and all there's all this kind of conversations happening around you, and your attention is kind of drawn. Oh, what are those people on this on that table talking about? Or what's going on in the kitchen? There's a, a laughter, your attention is drawn away, and, and then you come back and pay attention to the person you're with. So it, it, it's a bit like that in the beginning. You know, we, we, we have a little bit of focus on the breath. It feels like, well, we're trying to connect with it, and we can connect, and then, and then there's all this noise. But we, oh, through practice, we collect our attention. We gradually collect our attention. It's like the there's this image in the discourses the Buddha talked about kneading bread and you're kneading at first the, you put the, the liquids and the oil and the flour together and it's all in little pieces and then you, you knead it fold it bring it back, collect it collect all the, all the little crumbly pieces fold it in push it together and eventually it becomes a consistent um, kind of uh, lump of dough, right? You have your dough, and it's all kneaded, and, and the liquid and the oil is spread evenly. And it's like that with our minds, that we, we collect our attention, we collect our attention, and then gradually, more and more, attention is woven through everything. Mindfulness is woven through all our activities, our, our conversations, uh, brushing our teeth, taking a shower, um, getting dressed, uh, making a phone call. You know, like there's presence. We're present. We're, we're present. We sh- we're showing up in every moment of our lives. Uh, so it takes patience. <laughs> Take, maybe that's the theme of the day. It takes, uh, it takes commitment um, to keep bringing our attention back. And that clarity uh, that arises from that is that we, we can be mindful in the moment. And so um, as we, one of the things that becomes clear as we're more attentive is what's our motivation in this moment? What's my motivation? You know, what's my motivation to make that phone call? And I can be present in myself and say, am I making that phone call out of 
um, a desire to connect with somebody? Or am I making the phone call out of anger or out of a sense of obligation? You know, what's present? So I can, um, you know, if I have a habit of eating to kind of to make myself feel better or to, um, to take care of myself, if eating, compulsive eating, uh, is, a, is a way of coping that I've kind of found in my life, uh, as it is for many people, um, you know, I can notice, you know, when I get up and start moving toward the fridge, I can ask myself, what's my motivation? Am I hungry? Or is this, is this something I'm just trying to do to feel good? You know? um, and so, uh, so this clarity, clarity of purpose, uh, w- is a practice that we can, we can um, bring into our, our moment-by-moment lives in the day. So, so what am I? What am I trying to do here? What am I? What's my intention? And then another, another um, way that we can can experience clarity is, you know, is this the right time? Is this a suitable time? So say I want to have a conversation about something important with somebody who's important in my life. And, and we're at a party. You know, is that the right time? So, so clarity around suitability and appropriateness can also be um, a practice of mindfulness in our daily lives. And then another way that we can bring clarity in our lives is to, is to reflect with mindfulness. Are there parts of my life that are somehow outside the scope? Like I, I just, you know, um, I just do these things. This is just something I do. And yes, I, I'm practicing meditation. And yes, I'm trying to be mindful. Um, but, well, shopping makes me feel good. So I, you know, I'm just, I want to go shopping. I'm going to get another dress, another sweater. I don't need it, but I get a little hit of pleasure when I do that. So, 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 like, can we look at that addictive behavior? You know, are there, are there areas where, they're kind of just saying, well, you know, this is, you know, this is okay. I'll just... Because addictive behavior keeps us hooked into that, you know, that, that old pattern of, of, uh, of trying to find something out there that's going to make me feel good about myself. Right? Um, it's not to say that we don't have 
pleasant experiences, and that pleasant experiences aren't important, but, but it's the addictive nature. So I think I'll, I'll end there. Um, so just to kind of tie it together, that, that, that bringing calmness, bringing presence... Uh, having some stability within ourselves is something that we do out of compassion. We do out of compassion. And compassion is woven through every moment when we're seeing these, these habits of mind that cause us suffering. Um, we're, uh, we're allowing ourselves to be compassionate and we're allowing ourselves to to let it go and come back to that inner presence, um, which in our formal practice is in the breath. And then this enables us to, to bring more clarity into all the aspects of our lives. So is there any... Uh, so I'd, I'd like to invite um, any response that you might have uh, about about anything I've said or anything that's come up for you. It could be a question. It could be a, um, a reflection. Was there anything unclear? or anything that particularly resonated for you. Yeah, that's great. That's that's very profound. It's like you know, we imagine that we need to defend ourselves, but what is that self that we're defending? And and then the the feelings we you know we recognize that they're they're feelings in the body that we feel and thoughts, and and we recognize that when we stop holding on to them, that they can just dissolve. Yeah. And, and my experience is that the, we have, and you may have noticed, that that habit of mind doesn't absolutely disappear right away. It comes up. But more and more, like, it's possible we quickly, we more quickly see through it. Right? You know, it's... Uh, it's like, oh yeah, that one, the defensive thing. Right. Okay, I recognize that. Let it go. Thanks. Thank you. Um, I was just 
Yeah. So, um, first of all, to open to it and to feel it, because it's um, it wants to be felt. The reality is that when we um, we lose somebody, whether it's through death or through the break the breakdown of a relationship, or through somebody moving to another place. We feel energetically that we've lost, that there's a loss, and so we don't want to deny that. It's true. We feel a loss, um, and 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 the grief is comes out of the fact that we are attached. We're attached to that person, and so we keep wanting to reach out. And so, I mean, it may be true that grief comes out of attachment, and at the same time we feel it. And so we can allow it and be present with it and have compassion for it. So we give it a compassionate space to be known. Another thing that I think is really helpful is recognizing that this is a universal experience. um, my son died when um, in 2008, and um, it was a very, very painful experience for me. And uh, and so I was spending time just being with that grief, and and I was at a retreat center shortly afterwards, and and right next to the retreat center there's a cemetery. And I was walking in the cemetery, and there are some very old gravestones, and and there were some uh, newer ones. And I was looking at so many of these gravestones were um, for young people, because there were m- many young people that died in the First World War and in the Second World War, and many. Children died, you know, in these in much more than today. Before there were antibiotics, before there was the m- medical interventions that we have available to us, and so how many mothers and fathers f- felt this grief? You know, somehow recognizing that, you know, just really seeing in such a clear way that this is. A human experience. This is this is a universal experience. Um, not every parent loses a child, but but loss is such a human experience, and and so um, I think that's also a way to to be with it. That it's part of of what life gives. So. In the Tao, they talk about the 10,000 joys and the 10,000 sorrows as being what life is comprised of. And somebody else raised their hand. Oh, so, so. Uh, I think that is very important. 
is one similar with the packages usually uh, we feel hurt and we want the other person to suffer as much as we right we do so if we do that we have to recall that we will keep on suffering and we will yeah so yeah that, that cycle it has to be broken, yeah. And that's such an opportunity, and, uh, and, and that's also, that's, that's the place of liberation. Not only for ourselves, but, you know, for, in widening circles. Right, right. So, um, hatred begets hatred. Um, in the Dhammapada, the Buddha says, um, uh, hatred begets hatred. Uh, in love alone does hatred cease. And this is a, an ancient and inalienable or I- immutable law that it's only when we can have this this capacity to um, if anger is arising, if if hatred's arising, to let it go or to to not be driven by it, to not get caught up in it, to feel compassion for that hatred that we feel in ourselves. So we first feel that compassion for ourselves, and then and then also sharing that compassion with the other and. Um, and not giving harm back, not wanting to hurt back. It's, uh, you know, we have these, um, part of practice is a framework of ethics. And the heart of the ethics, you know, there are precepts that, we, we talk about not to kill, not to lie, not to steal, and so on. Um, but the heart of it is not to, is, is ahimsa, non-harming, that, that spirit of non-harming. And so, um, so when, we, when we can deeply integrate that into who we are and our attitude, I do not want to cause harm. Um, when we, and it comes from love. We connect with our love for life. Um, then it's easier to to stop the reactivity. But it's a practice, and and we and we also need to realize that sometimes the reaction gets the better of us, and we begin again. We notice, like in the in the in the teaching of non-harming, when we notice some of our own patterns that are harming ourselves. So, where is the way to to use that teaching of non-harming to help ourselves let go of those patterns? Like looking now at some very you know deeply conditioned habits of mind that cause me great pain, like, because they're on now they're quite deep, 
um, and seeing them, seeing how they come up and, and wanting to turn towards, wanting to be able to let them go or release them, but feeling, interestingly enough, the, the spiritual practice and, and some of the teachings of turning towards and being present with that has really impeded me from allowing myself. And But I know that there are also teachings on non-harming and to not be delusional, but I, um, I'm just wondering how to talk to oneself, how to allow oneself, for a better word, it's not really, how to give permission to to release those habits that are really causing a lot of pain. Mm. So I don't somehow feel I have permission to do so. So mm. it causes a lot of, you know, it causes a lot of mm-hmm. problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there are there are habits. I, I I'm you know I'm not saying that this is what what you. Um, what you're dealing with, but there are habits that we have sometimes which are very deeply ingrained, which in, a, in some ways have kind of been part of our spiritual journey. You know, like, for example, uh, an attitude of perfectionism. You know, like that could, that could be part of uh, that energy, that kind of perfectionism, could be part of, say, be, being diligent in our, you know, like, like I have to be, I have to sit every day, you know, being diligent, being, you know, non-reactive. No, I'm not going to say a harsh word. And sometimes, like that's just an example that we have to um, let ourselves just mess up. You know, and say, you know, uh, and it, and it's a way of of kind of getting through a deeply ingrained pattern, which may have been somehow mixed into our our spiritual practice, but the, but now recognizing that it's it's um, creating pain, mm-hmm. um, and so. So if it were perfectionism, I'd say, yeah, like, what is it, how, how, how does it feel to, to not sit every day? You know, like, if you've been sitting every day for years and years, and then a lot of people come to a place after many years that they say, you know what, I, 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 my practice is going to look a little different now. I'm going to let it. I'm going to let it kind of manifest differently. So, kind of loosening things up sometimes can can be helpful. You know, and it's not what I say to somebody who's just beginning practice, but uh, because because it's helpful to have a certain degree of discipline. But but you know, practice is not. It's not a template. It's not a one size fits all, and. And we're changing, too, like in our practice. We're always changing and evolving. And what worked for us five years ago might not work for us now. So it's... Um, uh, it's, 
it's not going to look the same. So, I mean, so I think that, and 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 also, uh, in our in our practice, you know, we have teachers, we have advisors, we we read books, we get guidance, but ultimately, we're we're accessing our inner wisdom, we're accessing our inner teacher. We are our own best teachers. You know, we can get guidance and advice, and we might look to a teacher as a, as a, you know, to mo- who models some of the qualities that we aspire to. Um, and yet, we we ourselves are our own inner master, our own inner teacher. So, um, so yeah, sometimes. It might feel off balance. We might feel like it's a big risk. But then, you know, okay, what does this feel like now? Do you you want to say anything back? Uh, Anything more? uh, Yeah. Well, if you could just, the non-harming part, because sometimes when we notice things that are harmful to ourselves, I guess, um, yeah, like, just being mindful of them sometimes isn't enough. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you know, all of the, all of the, um, energies that come from greed, hatred, and the delusion of being a separate self, the ignorance, that are, are harmful. And so, um, so how are, you know, how are these manifesting in my lives? So, so if, 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 if it's addictive behavior, then, then I need to address that addiction. I need to, I need to relinquish. I need to work on relinquishing that addiction. Um, if it's aggressive behavior, I need to relinquish that aggression. I need to work on, you know, changing that so that I'm not coming from a place of aggression when I act or or speak. And if it's delusion, which can also be beliefs. Um, yeah. Just walking outside before, I had I was struggling with things like, why can't I do this or that? And then all of a sudden I realized it's because it's not an I that is not doing the right thing. It's because it's just a process that comes together as a sense of I. And just by thinking that, just by realizing, like there's always a blame on the, that I'm not doing it, I'm not doing it right. And the minute that is kind of, but there isn't like this one unit that can solve the problem, because it's just a process. In the it's moment. a process. So there was a bit of release yeah. around that. Yeah. So I think that's where it Yeah, well that's you, that, that's you, you using wisdom as the antidote for a minute though then it dies yeah the the wisdom is there and it feels okay 
but then it doesn't sustain. Somehow it gets clouded over by the other... Right, because there's a lot of habit. Yeah, all the habits. And then I wonder, well, if I have that wisdom, why isn't it always present? If I have that wisdom, but then again, it's not an I, it's just a coming together. So the wisdom comes and goes. Right. And that's the difficulty, because I keep thinking, why can't I, if I have it, why can't I do it? Well, sometimes we, we, we make a focus in our, particular, in our practice, like we sort of highlight, something's highlighted for us. And so a particular pattern you know, is high, being highlighted for you. So, so you might <coughs> devise a practice, a little, you know, a little reminder um, to, uh, that when these thoughts come up, you, know, you might write something down and fold it and keep it in your pocket. Mm-hmm. And so, and then when you notice that, you're, that these pattern is coming up, just take it out and read it. So, because, because when we give attention to something, you know, it, um, like, you know, I gave, I, I gave attention to just habitual uh, compulsive eating mm-hmm. for a while, you know, and I was just noticing wasn't even noticing when I was just taking a snack. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I began to notice that energy arising. Right. And, and so I said, okay, I can let this arise and pass away. Right. And, um, and so, you know, you might need an antidote. You know, you might need a particular practice which might be reminding yourself right. of something. Yeah, yeah, very well said. Very well said. <clears throat> so, um, 